On today's episode, I spoke with Alex Miner about short-form video strategy and the future of content creation. Alex is a top voice in the podcasting and videography spaces and has been building a personal brand through both mediums for years, so he's uniquely qualified to talk to us today. So let's dive right in. So let's, let's start from kind of the ground up, the basics. When you're talking about content creation through any medium, there's always kind of this debate, should you do more high quality content? Should you go for higher volume or higher quantity? How do you think about the balance, especially with video and podcasting, about the balance between quantity and quality? Well, if you're new to content creation, the way that you're going to get to high quality is through high volume. And because you got to get your reps in, it's like working out, it's like building up a muscle or, you know, practicing a skill. You've got to do it a lot to get to the point where people are going to look at you as if you're competent or as if you're good or accomplished at it. And the other part is of doing a lot of reps and putting out a lot of content is that you really don't know what high quality is until people tell you what it is. You need feedback, you need data and what gets a lot of people hung up. And that's myself included, because even when I'm creating my own content, I go through these mental processes. I get on that hamster wheel. Um, but until people respond to the content that you're creating and tell you that they think it's good, you don't actually know if it's good. It's the audience that's going to tell you whether the content is high quality or not. So, so translating this kind of to brands who might be listening, a little bit different than creators, but same general principles. Now you have created thousands of pieces of content. You kind of know what to look for for yourself. If you were chatting with, with brands in particular and their main concern was, okay, well, we can go high volume, but how do we keep our voice and our goals and everything totally aligned through that much content? What advice would you give companies? Well, it's by establishing what those goals are and what it is you're looking to accomplish. A lot of folks come into content creation or start creating content without any sort of game plan, without any sort of end goal. They just hear that they should be making content. And so they say, okay, we're going to make content, but they don't think about what is the purpose of this specific content. Or if we're going to make a few different types of content, what is the purpose of each of those types of content? Are they aimed at the same audience or are we segmenting our audience or is there different campaigns that the content is involved in and making those decisions is what's going to help you um, create collectively. You know, when I say create collectively, I mean the different pieces of content and, and keep it kind of in alignment or going in the same direction or, or keep everything moving towards a specific uh, result or goal. So translating this to like short form video specifically, um, if you were if you were talking with a brand about short form video and trying to maybe convince them a little bit of why they should be doing this, what do you think are some of the reasons that short form video has so quickly become a, a, a dominant medium, basically, where you basically have to be posting? Why do you think that that has happened? I think it's a couple of different things. Um, one is that it's easy to consume. You know, we live in this world where everybody's fighting for attention. Brands are fighting for attention. Individuals are fighting for attention, whether that's in the business context or in the personal context. And because we've got so many sources screaming at us for our attention, it becomes harder to make decisions about where you're going to allocate that attention. And the thing that short form video provides is an easily digestible form of content. 
because it's exactly what it says. It's short. It's visual. Um, sometimes it's got audio included. A lot of times it's got audio included. But that makes it easy for folks to consume it in the way that they want to consume it and that they can consume it almost anywhere because smartphones are a thing and that it's not going to monopolize a lot of their day. So they don't feel like it's a big ask to dive into a 30 second piece of content. You know, if you're trying to get somebody to look at a case study or a white paper or, you know, a website with multiple pages, that that can be that can feel like a lot more of an ask. Whereas a short form video, it's you pull it up, it's there, it's done and you can move on. And I think that's why it's become so popular, because it's easy. The the flip side of that argument, I guess people could say, okay, well, yeah, it's short, it's more digestible, but it's harder to give value in a shorter form piece of content. What would be your response to that? They're exactly right. It is harder to give value in a shorter piece of content. You've got to be very intentional with it, which is why a lot of folks, um, you know, shy away from it or they give up on it because they don't practice enough to develop that skill set or they don't go look for help to learn how to give value in that short time span or how to craft the content with that digestibility in mind. Um, and there are different frameworks out there. There are different programs. There are different agencies like ours that can help you or coaching programs or, or you know, free content on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok and all these places that can kind of teach you different methods for how to create this content. And truthfully, it only has to be as difficult as you make it. But the more intentional about the creation you can be, the more effective that I think you can be on purpose. Now, that's not to say that you can't be effective without being super intentional. You can, but a lot of times when that happens, it's on accident or it's just because you got lucky. Um, but when you approach it with intention and a framework and you're like, okay, these are the steps I take. This is the way that I create the content. This is what I'm making the content about. You've got a better chance to like hit those different marks or, you know, check off the list of whatever is valuable to the audience you're trying to cultivate. So let's say that a brand approaches you and they're like, we want to do short form video. We're all in, but we have no idea what the right baseline strategy is to just get started. What types of posts should they be posting? How often, like what platform should they be worried about? If, if somebody really came in with very minimal knowledge, what would be that baseline strategy you give them? So the first thing is going to be to a step. Now, ideally, you would be able on whatever platform you choose. And that decision is contingent upon what kind of audience you're trying to cultivate and where you think that they are. Um, so you should be doing some research on that. Ideally, you'd be able to post at least once a day, you know, and there's different schools of thought out there. Um, but the main thing is consistency. So whatever schedule that you do choose, and it doesn't have to be once a day. That's like, like I said, ideally, because the more that you show up, the more opportunities you have to catch the attention of the folks whose attention you want to catch. So ideally, at least once a day on whatever platform it is, um, with some caveats, because some platforms may not respond the best to, to posting every day. Uh, but if we're talking things like Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok, YouTube, those actually do respond well to posting every day. 
Um, excuse me. I thought I was going to sneeze. And, but whatever schedule that you choose, choose one that you can maintain, that you can be consistent at without it negatively impacting the way that you have to run your business because we got to keep the business running. If you can't run the business, what's the point? Um, and that may require you having to set aside one, two, three days a month. You got to figure that out for yourself for specifically creating that content so that it's not a, you're trying to create the post every time you go to post, which is why most people find it unsustainable. They're trying to create and post on the same day, um, which is why you hear a lot of folks talk about batch creating, uh, which batch creating can look different. Like I, I, I know one guy recently saw a post from where he talks about he does batch creating, but he only creates like three or four pieces of content at a time. So he's doing it every few days, but that's more sustainable for him than trying to create every single day. Um, other folks, when they batch create, they're trying to create a week's worth of content. Other folks, when they batch create, they're trying to create a month's worth of content. So it's really up to you what your batch creation looks like. But the underlying premise is that you're trying to create more than one piece of content in one sitting so that it's less pressure on the day of to be able to post. And, and what metrics should we be looking at that are that actually matter? Because there are obviously some vanity metrics that can tell you one story. What what is the holistic view of what we should be measuring so that we can actually figure out what's working? Um, there's really only two things that matter to me. And the first thing is going to be engagement and and that's going to be people actually taking action on your posts, whether that's a like, whether that's a comment, whether that's a DM, um, or, you know, if you gave them a call to action that said, send me a DM or send me a message or, you know, comment this word or that thing like that. Uh, and then the inbound leads that show up in your inbox. Those are the two things that really matter. Um, so if those things are happening, you know the content is effective. Now, vanity metrics can be useful because it can tell you what's appealing to the wider audience. Like if a certain type of content you notice consistently gets more views than other types of content, well, you know, people are looking at that. Um, if you get more leads in your inbox or more DMs when you post, you know, why type of content, then you know that that type of content is what brings in the lead. So, but Going back to what we were saying in earlier in the conversation, that's where that volume part comes in. You got to put out enough content with enough variation to be able to start to understand if I create these different types of content, it's going to do these different things for me. So for yourself, if you're looking for, for a client, for your own content, whatever, and, and you're thinking, I've got the short form content, but I kind of want to connect it with longer form podcasting or video. What's what's the connecting point there? Um, how how do you balance those and, and connect them together? Um, there's some different ways to do it. So so if we're talking about connecting short form content to longer form like podcasts or YouTube specifically, one way is to create the short form content from that larger content. So repurposing um, a long form video or a podcast into short clips that you can then disseminate across your social media platforms. It's like giving people the trailer to the movie, right? And that's how the movies get people to come out. You show them a piece, you entice them, you make it look exciting or intriguing. 
you do the same thing with your long form content. You create shorts out of it. You, you tell people like, hey, here's the thing. It looks great, but it's part of this larger piece. If you want to check out more, go holler at that. Um, and so you can link to those things through, depending on what platform, through actual links in the short form content. Because I know on TikTok, you can embed the links with Instagram and Facebook. You can kind of link stuff and, and uh, LinkedIn even as well. And so there's that. You can set it up so that the links to that longer content or those profiles or pages are in the, are in the profile of whatever the platform is, you know link in bio, that sort of thing. Um, so there's always ways to link back to it. It can also be, you can also reference the, the longer content in the copy. Um, you, can, you can put calls to action in the short form content, talking about the longer content that you have. So there are different ways to go about it and, and you can experiment with those and figure out what's the best way to get folks over to your longer content. And yes, you should have longer content to go along with and supplement the short form content. Yeah, I mean, on, on this subject kind of brings to mind the the idea of video podcasting, which has become increasingly more important, more prevalent. First off, why do you think video podcasts is an emerging trend? Um, I don't think it's an emerging trend. I think it already is the trend. Um, and that being said, I mean, there's caveats to that, because according to the latest numbers that I was able to find, only... It, it was like less than 30% of podcasts create video content, but you see that the, some of the biggest podcasts in the world now have a video component if they didn't start that way. And then some of them have, some of the biggest podcasts have always had a video component. Um, but then when you start looking at surveys and data about discoverability of podcasts, you'll find that most folks are saying that they're discovering new podcasts via social media video content. So if you're trying to increase your reach, increase your audience, increase your discoverability, your searchability, it really behooves you to start making that short form video content for your podcast. And where do you see this going? Like with, with video podcasts, do you, do you feel like it just kind of keeps riding this same wave, but gets bigger and more widespread? Or do you think that it takes even another mutation or evolution and looks a little bit different 10 years from now? I think it's the natural evolution of the art form, I guess you'd call it. Um, just because podcasts are like the new radio, right? And now video podcasts are becoming like, I guess, the new talk shows or the new news program, depending on what kind of, you know, podcast it is. But a lot of folks are, you know, getting health and self-help information. They're getting political information. They're getting entertainment, um, all these different things from this podcast medium. And I see the addition of video just as an extra way for folks to enhance the experience, to be able to add value and to add another dimension that helps them differentiate from the other podcasts out there. So to me, it's a natural evolution of the way that, you know, our society is just more and more wanting on-demand content. And I think we're seeing now video and audio becoming really important on even non-video platforms, text-based platforms like like Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, or LinkedIn even. Um, oh, yeah. As, as you're thinking through getting the most leverage from every piece of content, how do you 
change or, or shift each piece of content for each platform to make sure that it it's considerate of each of those and more contextual? Well, for that, I think you have to start with, you know, what some folks call macro content and then break it down to the micro, uh, which is where you go to distribute the smaller pieces of content to the different platforms. So your pillar or macro content is the larger pieces that you start with. That can be the podcast. That can be what, some type of show that you can create. That could be uh, interviews that you do. That could be uh, recordings of you speaking in public, doing presentations, all those sorts of things. And if you have the video of that, that gives you the ability to break down and turn that content, that large piece of content, into all these different forms of content um, that can then be distributed to different platforms. Because you can take a transcript of the video and turn that into different text-based pieces of content. Um, you know, whether you analyze that by hand to pull out the best pieces or use AI to do that, which some folks are doing now, you can use AI to also break down the video. And you can also do this by hand because we're traditionalists and we can do that. Um, where you, you know, comb through, find the best pieces of video or splice together some of the best moments and take those shorter pieces of content uh, and disseminate those, whether that's, you know, into smaller YouTube videos, or maybe there's just a really good five minutes that you want to put on your YouTube channel. You can do that. Or if you're breaking it all the way down to, you know, one minute, 30 second snippets that you're going to distribute to TikTok, Instagram, Facebook reels, et cetera, et cetera. So when you start with the big piece, you have this ability to create so many pieces, smaller pieces of content from that. And that, I think, is the process that, you know, Gary Vee talks about that all the time. Um, I think Alex Ramosi talks about that as well. And starting with that big piece and then figuring out how to chunk it down and slice it up and separate it and distribute it in different ways or even just um, discuss what was in that initial piece of content differently uh, is going to give people the leverage to then create all these smaller pieces of content and consistently have uh, content to output to their different platforms. What advice would you give to somebody that comes to you and they say, I have a really technical product, a really technical audience, and maybe it's really niche and there aren't a ton of people in that niche even. What advice would you give across short form, long form, whatever, you know, video, podcasting to make content that works for a brand like that? Um, I would say keep creating it and don't care about the numbers. Like if, if you've got a really niche, if you've got a really specific technical niche, um, then you cannot worry about vanity metrics at all. Because what happens with very technical or very niche specific content like that is usually you're not going to get a lot of views. You're not going to get a lot of engagement. You're not going to get a lot of surface level indications that the content is working. You know, the things that most people would be looking for. But what's going to happen is the folks who are in those fields or in those niches, um, they will see the content if you're consistent at putting it out. They will take note of it because one, if you're in a niche that's that small, there's not going to be a lot of people putting out content, period. So you're going to stand out just for the very fact that you're putting out content on a consistent basis. And then if the content is actually good and deemed to be useful, these folks 
technical folks usually aren't the type to do a lot of engagement, aren't the type to comment on things and likes and all that. They may not even show up in your DMs, but what you will see is an increase in inbound leads. Um, you will see an, an increase in maybe speaking requests or requests to be on different podcasts. Like you'll see the effects, but it won't be those surface level things. And so you've got to kind of disconnect yourself from that expectation that uh, I want every post to get a thousand views or I want every post to get so many comments or likes or this and that. Like it's probably not going to happen. But the folks who are in those industries and who find value from that type of content, they as long as you keep putting it out, they'll keep getting it. You may not and it may not be in great numbers, but then you're in a position where you're not looking for large numbers. You're looking for the right numbers. Totally. Last question here. And then, and then we'll, we'll end things here. Um, in terms of marketing tools that you use, I'm sure that you have gone through so many different things, whether it's for your agency or anything that you've created for yourself or clients, whatever. Are there any marketing tools specifically that you feel like you could not live without if they went away? Um, I mean, the, the main thing that I can't live without is, is Google, uh, you know, Gmail, Google calendar, all, you know, Google sheets, like all the Googles. Uh, that's the main thing. If it wasn't for having all that stuff interconnected and helping me out on a daily basis, I couldn't keep track of my life. Awesome. I'm going to stop the recording here.